We're in week two of our Hope series. How many of you are here for last week? Yeah, a lot of you. Nice. Awesome. Hands down. Um, week two, we're going to kind of catch you up if you haven't been here, so you'll, you'll know where we're going, what we're talking about. Um, but last week, we set up the whole idea of what hope is. And so we talked about not only the word, but kind of what it means and how it applies. So we defined it last week, and we defined hope as the expectation or desire for something to happen, right? Like, I hope that I eventually will get an A in math or English, or I hope that a guy or girl will like me at some point in my life, or I hope... I can stop looking like an idiot in front of the guy or girl that I like. You know what I'm saying? Like there's hope for something to happen. And then we also said it's a feeling of trust. So it's like a noun as well. It's not just hoping for something, but it's hoping in something. Like I put my hope in my textbook to help me pass math or English, right? Or I put my hope in my deodorant to keep me from stinking like a nasty foot when I'm around people that I may or may not like. You know what I'm saying? So you put your hope in something. So that's kind of how we defined hope last week, and we're going to keep going with that definition of what hope is, and as we talk about it, that's what we're talking about. You hope for something, and you hope in something. All of us do it. We talked about that last week. But we talked about the ultimate gift and the ultimate hope that we are going to find ever in this world is from God, and we got this verse that we're going to kind of keep coming back to every week, and it's Romans 15, 13. It says this, May the God of, say it with me, hope. Oh, that was weak. Let's try it again on three, okay? We're going to say hope on three. One, two, three. Hope. Nice. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you, as you trust in him so that you may overflow with, on three, one, two, three, hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So, we see from that verse a few different things. Kind of the highlight from last week was the only, it's only through Jesus that we experience God's hope. God's hope came from Jesus. So if we're like, man, I can't wait to go to heaven. Guess what our hope is to get to heaven? It's Jesus. Man, I can't wait to experience God's love. Guess how God showed us his love? Jesus, the way we experience and know God, the way we are going to experience and know God for eternity is all found in Jesus. It's like, man, I really want to follow and know God like every day in my life. I want my relationship with God to be real. Like I don't want it to be just this fake thing, this religious thing. Like I know a lot of people that say they're Christians, but they don't really live it out. Like I want this to be real. Guess where your hope is to actually accomplish that? Jesus. Jesus is the key to all that. So, that was last week. This week, how did this hope enter the world? What did that look like? This Jesus coming here. Now, Christmas is typically when we go around and we see the nativity scenes, right? Have y'all seen a nativity scene? Hands up if you've seen one. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, hands down. A lot of, not a lot of hands went up, so I'm guessing some of you don't know what a nativity is. A nativity is where you see the, the, the picture of Mary and the picture of Joseph and the picture of the little baby in the manger. You know what I'm talking about now? 
Yeah, and there's usually sheep and hay and donkeys. Sometimes it's a living nativity, which means there's live people doing this, and there's real animals. Sometimes it's just a little scene like that you set on your table or something. And sometimes it's like plastic things you put in your yard. Do you know what I'm talking about right now? Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. So that is kind of what a lot of us have in our mind when we think of baby Jesus coming to earth, right? But this whole idea of baby Jesus coming to earth is a big deal. Because it's when, I just had a woo, I like it, nice. Because when Jesus came to earth, what did he bring with him? We've already talked about it, we defined it. Hope, Jesus brings hope, he is hope, he's the embodiment of hope for us. And so this little baby represents all of our hope forever in eternity. Our hope to know God, our hope to experience God's love, his grace, all those things rest on this little baby. Because he's the savior of the world. That means everybody all over the planet. Back then and today. That's a whole lot of people. You know how many people are in the world right now? About? About 7 billion people. And that's today. It's craziness. How many people are on the planet? That's not even counting how many people were here a few hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. How many people were here 2,000 years ago when Jesus literally came? And he came for all of them. He brings hope to all of them. And he brings hope to all of us. So this is a big deal, all right? This is like a, a crucial story. It's a crucial moment in history. And it's a crucial moment for us even here now, okay? So we're going to talk about it. We're, that's what the whole night's about is this story. Of baby Jesus swaddled in a manger, right? Coming and being in the hay with his mom, Mary, and his dad, Joseph, and all the animals and all that stuff, okay? So what's the deal with that? What really happened? What went down? Some of us know the whole story. Some of us don't. But the cool thing is the story really paints a picture, not only of what happened, but it also tells us some things about who Jesus is. So it's important for us to talk about. So we're going to jump into it tonight. You ready? You can answer out loud. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. We're going to jump into this. We've got a lot of verses to cover. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and crack it open to, to Matthew or Luke, okay? Matthew or Luke. If you don't have your Bible, which I'm guessing is a lot of you, I'm going to throw some things on the screen to help us out, okay? Now, we're going to talk about Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 35, but we're not going to read them all, okay? We're just going to talk about them. Now, in those verses, these are some of the things that happen, Okay? Mary is told she's going to have a baby. Crucial thing about that, um, the person telling her is an angel. That's a little weird. I don't know about you, but I haven't talked to any angels recently. So if an angel showed up to me and started telling me things, it would probably freak me out. Anybody in here be freaked out if an angel just showed up and started talking to you? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. All of us would be freaked out, okay? So this young girl, she's a teenager, okay? She's probably around 16-ish. We don't know for sure exactly, but it's about 16-ish. Gets this angel showing up to her and says she's going to have a baby. Number one, angel showed up, already kind of scary. Number two, she's 16 and getting told she's going to have a baby. Anybody seen the show, 16 and Pregnant? Oh, gosh. I knew that was going to be a lot of folks in here who have seen that. Well, technically, Mary could have been on that show. Her story would have been way different than everybody else's because Mary is what is known as a virgin. If you're like, what is that? I'm not gonna tell you. 
All I'll say is she hasn't done anything that typically results in a baby. Okay? So this news that she's going to be pregnant is very shocking to her. She hasn't even held hands with a guy. And so she's like, how am I going to have a baby? This is craziness. And an angel's telling her this. So this is a big deal. This is like shocking news to this young girl. But this is what happens in Luke chapter 1. And so the angel goes on and eventually we find out that the baby's name is going to be Jesus. So if you're like, how did Jesus get his name? God named Jesus, okay, and told the angel to tell Mary, you're going to name the baby Jesus, okay? So me and my wife are trying to figure out what we're going to name our kid right now, our second kid that's on the way. And we don't have a name yet. It's driving us crazy. So it would kind of be sweet if an angel just showed up and said, thou shalt name your second child. <laughs> you guys. You guys. I tell you what, you can, you can tell me a name like on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Suggest some names. I mean, I'm open to suggestions. I'm sure they're going to be great. <laughs> But they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to look through the list of names. They didn't have to go on the computer and look at all the popular baby names of 2013. They just got told, hey, the Savior of the world, he's going to be named Jesus. Okay, easy, done. We got the name. They can get the monogram towels and the pillows and the blankets. and It's all good. Name is picked. And so it's going to be a son. It's going to be a baby. His name is going to be Jesus. And so, what does that mean? Well, it means that this baby is not a typical baby, right? Mary is told by this angel that this baby is the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Now, that doesn't mean quite as much to us as maybe it would have back in the day. Hey, if you're talking, I need you to stop. There's a lot of you chatting. Let's, come on, let's focus. Don't distract folks. Keep your eyes up here and your mouths closed, okay? Um, so, back in the day, if you said Messiah, all the Jewish people in the place would have been like, what? They knew exactly what that meant because the Jewish people had been waiting for the Messiah forever. Like, ever since they've been a people, they've been waiting on the Messiah. So that's like thousands of years they've been waiting on Messiah to come. Messiah means literally Savior, And so they've been waiting on the Messiah. The Jewish people today are still waiting on the Messiah to come. They do not believe that Jesus is that guy. They believe he was a good teacher, he was a good rabbi, he was a good man. They don't believe he was the Son of God. They don't believe he was the Savior. So if you've ever been like, what's the difference between Judaism and Christianity? That's the main difference. We read the same Bible, we believe in the same God, but what we believe about Jesus is different. And so what we believe about Jesus is he is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the perfect one, the one who came who was a man, who was also God. And he came to die for us on the cross. And that's what we celebrate at Easter. We're not going to get into that, but that is ultimately why he came as this baby. And so Messiah means something to the Jewish people. When she was told she's going to have Messiah, Mary knew what that meant. And it's a, again, picture this, 16-year-old girl told she's going to be pregnant hasn't done anything to like expect news of a baby and she's 16 and now she's told she's not only going to have a baby but it's the savior of the entire world what that's like crazy stuff 
That's like freak you out forever stuff. But Mary, I don't know how she does it, but she responds. Now, I'm sure she was scared and I'm sure she was freaked out, but she responds like, God, let your will be done. And she accepts it. Now, here's the deal. Mary was engaged to a dude. His name was Joseph. Yeah, Joseph. So, now think about this. You're engaged to a girl, right? He's engaged to Mary. He's digging her chili. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're in love. Ask your friend to explain the digging the chili thing, okay? Um, it just means you like somebody, okay? So, they're in love. They, they're engaged. They're, they're going to be married. Mary is now pregnant. Okay, you're Joseph, okay? Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Mary tells you that she's pregnant. You know the baby ain't yours. We got Jerry Springer stuff going on here, okay? I mean, this is nuts, okay? Joseph is going to be like ready to fight somebody, I'm thinking. I mean, I'm thinking me, I'm ready to throw down. Who's the dude? Who's the daddy? Because it ain't me, okay? Let's do this. I'm going to fight. But... Joseph's a good dude, okay? So he's going to quietly break off the engagement and leave her. That's the plan he's got. He's like, okay, I love this girl, but apparently she's not loving me the way I think. And and she's pregnant and, you know, freaked him out. So he's going to quietly leave her and not, you know, disgrace her in front of everybody. But he's still going to leave her. So she's going to be a single mom raising Jesus, Savior of the world, Okay. Not a great scenario. So what does God do? He sends an angel to Joseph. And he tells Joseph what's going down. Fills him in. Like, hey, here's the deal, dude. I know Mary told you she's having a baby. It's the savior of the world. Probably freaked you out. You probably don't believe her. But it's true. This baby is mine. It's God's baby. And she has just been picked as the the one who's going to birth him and raise him and you're going to help her and so joseph gets this message from god and decides very wisely to not leave mary he realizes she didn't cheat on him and that this whole deal with jesus and messiah and this being god's baby is all true and so he stays with her Now, back in the day, again, very Jerry Springer stuff going on back then. Like, people hearing that Mary's pregnant and they're not married yet, people are going to look down on them. They're going to judge them. They're going to make fun of them. They're going to basically say these people are not holy. They're not good Jewish people. Because just kind of like today, the typical thing back then was you get married and then you have some kids. You don't flip-flop the order there. And so, they're these young, engaged couple. Mary is pregnant with the Savior of the world. They got to be scared to death. But that's where we're at with our story, okay? Now, I give you all that to kind of set up what happens for Jesus' birth, okay? Because if you just hear, well, they're on a donkey and they're heading to Bethlehem, it's like, well, how did, they, how did we get to that point? Well, that's how, Okay? God puts a baby in Mary's stomach and 
tells Joseph to stay with her and kind of helps everybody understand what's going on. And they get that this baby is special. This baby is the savior that's been promised for the world. So that's where we're at, okay? Now, we're going to flip ahead to Luke chapter 2. And this is where we get the actual story of Jesus being born, okay? So this is where we're going to get into the, the actual details of how he came into the world. Now, when my son was born, okay, so this is the only experience I've had with birth is my own son other than when I was born, but I don't remember that. So do you remember when you were born? There's no way you remember that. Somebody who said yes, there's no way. I don't believe you. There's no way. But I do remember my son being born because it was only two years ago. So I remember this. And I remember kind of the experience of what goes down with this. And births are pretty intense. And so I'll try to help you guys get this as we're going. And I'm going to read some verses, pause, we'll talk about it. Kind of unpack it, make sure we all understand what we're doing, what's going on. Because we're about to read 18 verses together, okay? Anybody ever even read 18 verses in a row, like consecutively? Nice, a lot of you have. Now, be honest, how many of you haven't? That's all good, okay, I like the honesty, that's good. Okay, well, you're about to. So after tonight, if somebody said, hey, have you actually read 18 verses in a row? You can say, yes, I have. What? Okay, so we're gonna jump into this, okay? Luke chapter dose. We're gonna start with verse one and we're gonna go, go, go through verse 18, okay? And this is gonna detail Jesus being born, okay? Now, here we go. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, okay? And we're gonna already pause and talk about this for a second. Caesar Augustus is like the king, okay? And he decrees that there's gonna be a census. Everybody know what the census is that we do here in the U.S.? You know what that is? Right, it's where we figure out how many people live in the U.S. We figure out how old they are. We figure out what nationality they are. We figure, not nationality, but what, uh, like what, where they're from, their descendants, you know, all those kind of things, how many kids they have. We figure all that stuff out. And so they're doing this for the entire Roman world. And it's like, okay, well, how big is that? The Roman world back in the day was huge. It basically took up most of the planet back then. And so they're trying to figure out how big the Roman Empire is, how many people live in these places, in these different cities. And so that's what's going on. The king has issued a decree to take a census. Let's find out how many people live in our territory, in our land, in our kingdom. You with me so far? All right, let's keep going. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, say that with me, Quirinius... Why? Just because it's a fun name to say. Um, Was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Okay, so that last part's not new information, right? We already knew that was going on. Mary's pregnant, Joseph's with her, they're engaged, okay? So we already kind of knew that. Now, let's unpack that for just a second. So Mary and Joseph are engaged, Mary's pregnant. We just said that, we already know that. Next, they're headed to where Joseph is from for a census. So Joseph is from the town of Bethlehem, yes. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. You know what I'm talking about? From the songs at Christmas time, you know, Bethlehem. 
Um, it's important mainly because Jesus is born there, but Joseph is from there, which is why they're at this city, this town. Why are they at the town? Because of the census. A lot of people don't even know why the birth happened at Bethlehem. It's because Joseph had to go back there to fill out this census thing, to get counted for the census, to take part in this thing that the king wants to do. Make sense so far? All right, so that's why they're in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph. Now, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Uh-oh. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, while they're in Bethlehem, she goes into labor, right? She starts having the contractions, you know, the, you know, where you got to breathe, you know, and then push and all that good stuff, you know, you all with me? So that's what's happening. And they're in this place that they're not used to being in. They've traveled to Bethlehem for this census. And then all of a sudden, this is when Mary goes into labor, right? Now, there's a lot of things wrapped up into this that we don't have time to get into. But there's tons of prophecies that talk about the Savior being born in this town, which is all kinds of other cool things that are wrapped up into this. But just know that that's there. If you want to research it, research it, check it out. The internet has lots of information on that as well. But at the end of the day, they're in Bethlehem because Joseph had to go for the census and she starts going into labor. A little bit scary. Now, because of the census, they have to have the baby in a manger. Why is it in a manger? Because they're in a barn, hanging out with some donkeys and sheep. You know, and other animals, roosters, I don't know. Pigs. They probably didn't, well, they might have had pigs. You never know. But the point is, they're having a baby in a barn. Okay, now let me, again, take you back to my experience with labor. I had, well, I didn't have, my wife had our son in a hospital. Now, think about a hospital, right? You have gowns, you have gloves, you have the hand sanitizer everywhere. You have equipment and you have clean floors and you have, you know, everything is sterile and clean in a hospital, right? Now think about a petting zoo. Think about the smell. You got it in your nose? Smells a little bit like poo-poo, okay? Doesn't smell good. There's fleas from the animals. There's the animals that create the poo. And, And then there's just hay and dirt and stuff, right? I mean, this is the environment that the savior of the world comes into. Now, I I have to look at that and be like, are you kidding me? Like, my son came into a much nicer thing than what Jesus came into. And my son's not saving anybody. My son's not the hope of the world, right? Jesus is. And he gets delivered into a bunch of hay and animal poo. Is that not crazy? It's absolutely nuts. But it happens because there's no room for them in the inn. Why is there no room for them in the inn? Because of the census. There's a bunch of people in Bethlehem now to do the census. So when they get there, they probably went slower than everybody else because Mary is what? Pregnant. So they show up late. They get to the hotel. Sorry, no, no, no more rooms. 
but my wife's like having a baby right now. Well, there's the barn. And so they head down to the barn to have the savior of the world. Makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. But that's what happens. And that's what goes down. It's craziness. So the hotel was too crowded for Jesus. Now, picture this today, okay? If we walked over to like the Hilton or the the Ritz-Carlton in Atlanta or something. And we went in there and they heard that the president was in town and needed a place to stay. And if the president walked in with all his social social security, that's that's not the right word. (laughs) Secret service people. Walking in, you know, like, we got people in the lobby. We need to clear the lobby. We got a possible sniper. We need to take that guy out. We need snipers on the roof. You know, they're talking in their hands or whatever they're doing. And they clear out the place. The president walks in and says, hey, Ritz-Carlton, I need a room. Do you think the Ritz-Carlton's going to make some room for the president? Absolutely they are. They'll kick people out if they need to. They're going to make the thing happen, okay? They will put the president up in this place. Now... President, pretty important person. Picture Jesus, savior of the world. He walks in, not literally, he's in his mommy's tummy, but they get to the hotel and ask for a room. There's no room for you. Sorry, man, you're gonna, not gonna be able to stay here tonight. Oh, wait, but you don't understand. The baby, he's the hope of the whole planet. He's God. Can you make room now? Nope, you're going to have to go down with the dung in the barn. It's unbelievable. So a president today could go into any hotel and get a room no matter how many people were in the hotel. But back then, Jesus walks up in his mommy's tummy, you know. The Savior gets to a hotel and there's no room for them. So they have to go to the barn and hang out with some animals and some poop. Freaks me out. But that's what went down. So let's keep reading. So God's son is born in a barn with animals. I just want that to sink in. If you're like, you're being redundant, Brad. You've said the same thing multiple times. It's because the savior of all of us was born in a bunch of hay and poo. It's just, it's incredible to me, really. And like I said, everything that happens in this story points to something. And it says something about who Jesus is. So stay with me, okay? The whole main point is not that Jesus was born in hay and poo, okay? So if that's all you get out of the night, that's not the main point. So let's keep reading. Um, Now, nearby, there were shepherds living out in the fields, okay? Keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, okay? Now imagine you're a shepherd hanging out with your sheep, right? Sheep are not all that exciting. They just walk around and they eat grass and that's it that's all they hear all day a bunch of sheep neighing or whatever that noise is called neighing that's a horse what am I thinking I'm messing things up tonight yes they're bahing they're mahing whatever you want to call it they're making those noises go ahead and get out of your system on three make a whatever sheep noise you want on three one two three Wow, there's some messed up sheep in here. There's some sheep that probably need to be put out of their misery. Okay, no more sheep noises. Shh. 
But whatever that noise was you just made is something maybe kind of like what they hear all day. And they don't have a lot of human interaction. So picture you're a shepherd hanging out with your sheep and all of a sudden an angel shows up with the glory of the Lord. I don't even know exactly what that looks like or what that means entirely, but I know it's got to be pretty cool and pretty amazing. And so when at the end of this verse, when it says, and they were terrified, I'm like, okay, I get that. They're used to sheep and the, and you know, they're just used to that. And then all of a sudden they see angel and glory of the Lord, like, freaks them out. So what is this angel here to do? Well, let's keep reading. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news and will cause that will cause great joy for all the people. So basically he's like, Hey, calm down. I'm not going to kill you. Cause that's probably what they're thinking. Like, Oh my goodness. God's angel has shown up. I'm about to be smited. It's a very biblical word, right? Smited. But he's like, no, 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 hold up. What I've got to tell you is good news. This is good stuff. Okay, check this out. Um, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Again, we said the Messiah. People know what that meant. They knew what that meant. When you say Messiah, it's like, oh, this is the dude we've been waiting on forever. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was, in, who was lying in the manger. So when they, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And who heard it and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, the angel tells the shepherds about this hope. The angel tells them about this Messiah, this baby who's wrapped up in a manger. And the shepherds went to see this Savior, right? So they, they see this angel, freaks him out. He tells them the good news. And then this big crowd of angels shows up in this field. And they all are singing God's praises, right? They're just singing. I, don't, I imagine an angel singing sounds good, you know. I don't know exactly what it sounds like, but it's probably better than the noises you guys made for the sheep. And so they're singing and the glory of the Lord is all right there. And then they, they leave and they go back up into heaven. Now, I'm picturing the shepherds kind of with the mouth open, kind of bug eye look, kind of like. Because they were just told the best news ever, right? They were told the Messiah has come, the Savior of the world, the one who's going to make things right for you forever is here. And so. They kind of look at each other, kind of with the bug-eyed, open mouth look, right? Like, And then they're like, hey, we should probably go check this out. And I'm thinking, duh, of course you need to go check this out. Angels just told you the Messiah was born, like, not far away. Are you kidding? Why would you not go check that out? I mean, if they looked at each other and said, we should probably just hang out with the sheep some more. 
I would smack those guys. Like, that's craziness. Like, go and hang out with this, like, see this baby, leave these sheep, okay? So they decide to go do that. They go and see the baby. They find him exactly like the angel says. But they weren't the only ones. Anybody heard about the the wise men, right? Y'all heard about them? We hear about them in the stories and the songs at Christmas time. There's another part in Matthew that talks more about these other people that come. And these guys, they're called magi in the Bible. And it's another way of saying wise men. So that's who they are. And they come and they show up and they have gifts that they bring to Jesus. So shepherds head over to where Jesus is because the angel tells them about it. Magi, wise men, same kind of thing. They show up and see Jesus because they they know the Messiah is here. And they all show up at this barn and they see this baby hanging out in a bunch of hay with a bunch of animals with these two teenagers that are his parents. At least the parents that are going to raise him here on earth. And this is the savior of the world. The hope for not only them back then, And everybody on the planet back then, but for the people that were to come later on, which eventually lead to us. And so these shepherds and these wise men, they see this Jesus, this baby, this hope. But the way Jesus entered tells us a lot about him, like we said before. Now, a lot of people expected the Messiah to be this like high and mighty, like coming in on this like ray of of light and would come down and just destroy the government and destroy the king and the emperors and all the bad people that were in the world and was just going to rule and reign like with this mighty sword and and force that was going to happen from heaven. But he comes as a little baby through a teenage girl in a barn with some animals. So the Jesus that everyone was expecting is not the Jesus that showed up. But also the Messiah that showed up may not have been what everybody was expecting, but it was what everybody needed. And when we keep looking at Jesus' life, like he is born, he gets grown and becomes a man. And then somewhere around 30, he starts to do these miracles and he starts to teach people and he starts to do the things that we've heard about Jesus doing, right? Healing the sick, helping people see, um, doing all all these crazy things. But everything he does is still different than what everybody was expecting from the Messiah. Again, they expected Jesus to come into the city, take over everything, take down all the bad people, and just make everything okay again. And that's not how he did it. He didn't do it like that. He didn't perform a miracle every time somebody asked for a miracle. He didn't come in and take down Caesar. He didn't come in and do a lot of these things that people expected him to do. And then you rewind and you come back to his birth and you're like, well, that's how he started his life too. So this savior of the world comes as a little baby. He's humble and he's not flashy and he's not coming with force and he's not coming to maybe come the way we think he is. But when we look at his life and we see he's this humble savior, he's this humble king, he's this humble man who is also the son of God. 
We see those are things he calls us to. He calls us to be humble. He calls us to be people who are gentle and loving and people who are gracious. And we even see that when he comes as this little baby. 